1: Bader and the D-Man in the mornings.
0: Hey Douglas, how are you doing, man? Uh,
1: I'm wide awake, sir. How are
0: you? I'm good. Uh, Public service announcement to everybody listening. This is the third time <laughs> we have attempted to do this in five days. <laughs> uh, there's no big conspiracy around why the syrup cast has disappeared post Jane. I'm sure you miss her and we do too, but it's just been a scheduling, uh, you know, impossibility. And then we tried on Thursday and uh, again on Friday. Sorry, we, f- we tried on Friday and again on Saturday, and uh, there were connectivity problems. So. Uh on the one hand, I think Canada has some of the best uh wireless networks in the world, but you pay out the ass for them. But we do have a problem where we can't get reliable internet service. And yet we still pay up somebody's the ass for it. <laughs> and still we pay up the ass for it. So Douglas is on DSL, I'm on cable. I oh, I don't often have an issue with my service, but um, you you have you have canceled and are in the process of transitioning.
1: I literally so you said it's not a conspiracy. I actually think it is a conspiracy, um, and it's a conspiracy of when our poor scheduling capabilities interact with low grade technology. It's a cluster it's just, cuss of epic the, proportions.
0: It, it's the swear word free version of what you really want to say. Yeah, against them,
1: <laughs> cluster cuss is fine, man.
0: No, I love that word. I think it's an amazing word. Anyway, so we are, we are podding on Monday morning, 9, 14 a.m., April, whatever.
1: 6, Monday morning pod, drive time.
0: So Bitter uh, the demon coming to you with the mobile. Be driving co- I will be driving coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Coffee. So uh, we haven't really done a pod for over two weeks. It's approaching 17 days, 13 hours, 4 minutes, and 7 seconds. Um, not that I'm counting. So, I wanted to sort of do a roundup of, of the biggest stories of the last couple of weeks. The first of which is Future Shop closing, and we had this amazing twenty minute conversation on Saturday about this, <laughs> and then your internet died. So, yeah, uh, what I think I'll do is uh, we'll just summarize part of what we said. So, um, we'll we'll attempt to do this really efficiently. The fact that Future Shop closed sucks but it was for the best. How'd I do?
1: That's pretty good. This is, this is not the best yeah. song in the world. It is merely a tribute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, I th- no, yeah. So it's, it's really... We, we caught the news on a, on a sleepy Saturday morning along with uh, Future Shop employees who were waking up going to work to realize that there was a sign on the door saying that they had basically lost their jobs, um, which is not the best way to lose your job uh, if you should ever lose your job at all. Um, the suddenness of the announcement kind of provoked, uh, a lot of emotional outpouring from, you know, not only us, but our, the mobile syrup community of readers simply because for the longest time, that's been uh, a hub for, for grabbing, for grabbing tech. But, um, as we've kind of discussed, you know, the needs to do that, uh, have greatly diminished as the convenience and, superior price and availability of e-commerce has kind of replaced the need to, um, go to one giant box to buy a bunch of different tech, especially when you can get it all in one phone. Now you don't need, you don't need like four departments when like your phone is half the things that they would sell.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, yes, absolutely. Cameras and another, you know, commoditized electronics have, have dropped, um, in, in overall sales, but I mean, Future Shop was, you know, the place to go for 4K TVs and big ass sound systems and, you know, DSL cameras and things. I mean, these are places that have a purpose that mm-hmm. are just being disrupted by the Amazons and the NCIXs. And, and yeah, I mean, like the phone is making it a lot easier to buy anywhere you want. You don't have to go into a, um, a store and do a lot of your shopping, you can do it online at home or or on the go. But as you said on Saturday, which I, I thought was really interesting, is that people um people are showrooming and, and they're they're going into stores and they're basically like not buying things in the store. They're just using the store as as a testing bed for the product that they then go home and buy on Amazon for, you know, mm-hmm. two thirds of the price.
1: Yeah, and so we on BetaKit, we just did a a, a feature on Frank & Oak, which is, you know, started in the digital space, uh, Pure Convenience, and they're opening up locations in Toronto, Montreal, and a few other Canadian locations. I actually think since we've written that, it's been announced they're opening a few U.S. ones as well, purely designed around experience, purely to just have you come in, have a nice latte, talk to, like, a style rep about the clothing that's good for you, with the full expectation that you're going to pay for that online, Um you know so you you have these legacy big box retailers having having that happen to them rather than disrupting um and i think you know one of the one of the obvious cases of that where you know they've completely you know they're stuck with inventory but they've lost the uh, the sales motivation from their customer base is through digital media cuz no one's going in to buy dvds or cds or games anymore when they're looking at that 4k tv right
0: and i i think what's so interesting um, about what you said was that increasingly experience is uh, essential to the buying uh, experience. And I, I mean experience in the sense that you, you, you want to feel like you're actually enjoying yourself. And I think the experience of going into a big box retailer, like Best Buy or Future Shop has been, you walk in through this huge vestibule, this these like ominous sliding doors. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of, you know, here's a $5 clearance DVD bin, Right as you enter, you walk in. You see the Best Buy or Future Shop mobile kiosk, which is you know where they want to sell you phones that you can buy at any of the other carriers. But that's increasingly becoming uh, core to their to their business model because there's so much money uh, in in selling you devices because mm-hmm. the carriers give them kickbacks. Then you know you walk in and there's nobody to help you, or if there is somebody, they're helping four other people. Um, you basically have to like roam uh, this like wild, um, you know, desert like a gazelle waiting to be eaten by like somebody who's really going to. By the commission only... sales lion? <laughs> totally. I mean, they want to basically sell you a product in order to sell you an extended warranty. And you know this going in. So there's this distrust between the person that you're talking to knowing that you're going to have that really awkward breakup conversation at the end. Like, I like you, but it's not that, you know, I don't like you that much. And the whole experience is really bad. I mean, just going into a big box retailer of any kind where, you know, be it Walmart, Target,
1: or Future Shop is just bad. Well, it's, it's you know, but even, you know, with the with the Best Buy thing, I think we had mentioned before, you know, they're trying to do, they're trying to change their experience and maybe put it around support, customer support, like being the, the smart Smart tech dude who can provide you with the recommendations you might need, um, but it's it's not so much a bad experience; as it's just an experience of a time. And better experiences have emerged. So for people like us, who just know the thing that we want and can order it direct, like completely naked with a laptop on our chest, and then for um, the the broad, you know, consuming populace who. Probably feels way more comfortable going into like a shiny Apple or Microsoft or Sony store um to just get the thing that they know is good rather than kind of navigating those the the sahara of um of gadgetry it's it's just you know this, this is what happened to blockbuster right like it's just yeah. it's just a very very nineties experience that's no longer necessary which doesn't diminish the you know the human impact of all these people being kind of um redundant
0: yeah and i I think you know it's a point it's important to notice uh to point out that it's not future shop closing completely best buy will keep 65 of the locations 65 of the 131 locations open uh they'll just convert them into best buy brands which Mm -hmm. you know ever since best buy came into canada in 2001 there has been that tension around why would some areas have both a best buy and a future shop uh, where they're largely selling the same products with the same prices or you know, very small variations on on prices and deals. And I just think it was an inevitable consolidation. And we can't read too much into this about the Canadian retail landscape other than to say that 60, 66 stores of something, regardless of what they are, are closing and that there's going to be a, another enormous vacancy where – you know, Target, a Future Shop, um, you know, there are all these big stores closing. I mean, um, it's it's interesting. We both live in Toronto, and you mentioned Sony. Sony exited the Canadian retail market earlier this year or last year, and in its place at the Eaton Center is a new shiny Microsoft store, mm-hmm. you know? They basically just took the infrastructure, and, and Microsoft went, oh, okay, well, we'll try. You know, we're doing pretty well with with things, I mean, we'll we'll sell you a surface, and and really, we're you know getting people to subscribe to Office 365. Mm-hmm. You know, their business model isn't to sell hardware. Their business model is to sell you a nice shiny laptop from one of their partners, and sell you a really really high margin Office 365 subscription at the same time. So, you know, it's interesting. It, it kind of comes back to that whole Frank and Oak thing, right? The whole physical retail presence is there to support its online experience totally what's up buddy it's much more comfortable now oh all right i heard shuffles so um i I guess we haven't really mentioned him but uh before we get into another into another um topic we should say hi to igor (laughs) We kind of (laughs) just glossed over that fact (laughs) Uh, Whatever, new guy (laughs) Hey, new guy So Igor, Igor uh, Bonifacic
1: Still don't even know Two hour debate on Thursday how to say his last name Nothing conclusive
0: Okay, so Igor B um, Is our new staff writer He has has come on board On short notice um, From the Toronto Standard Where he was uh, the managing editor there uh, he did some good work for a few publications. He is uh, learning the ropes, to, let's say, of the tech world, and uh, he's doing a fine job at it. Yeah. He was the, actually the one who broke the story on Future Shop uh, on March twenty eighth. So welcome, Igor. Uh, if you if you're if you're listening. Yeah. And which he should I'll...
1: not be listening because he should be writing. <laughs>
0: yeah. If uh, if you're listening, why? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so let's let's transition to something a little bit more up-to-date, and that's the CCTS report that was released last Thursday, I believe, on the Canadian uh, complaints against telcos. Mm-hmm. This is an independent uh, committee set up by the CRTC that tracks and tries to resolve complaints against telcos. Now, for the second year in a row, Bell was the top telco with uh, just – under 2,000 complaints. Um, but and Rogers in second place with uh, just over 1,200. and Telus dropped quite significantly to uh, about 250. And it's interesting because wind actually increased quite a bit hmm. from uh, where it was a year before. But this is so we can't think too too much into this because this is a mid-year report, so they only have half the aggregate data of the year so they, they start tracking august to january um sorry august to march and um wait what no it's august 1st january 31st so it's even a it's a three month um what am i talking about six months i'm i'm i haven't had enough coffee today
1: Yeah, you drink coffee um but it's, so it's a period of time and i think we should say with this you know this is like a golf score where the lower the number the better
0: Yeah, and Bell also is disadvantaged in the sense that this tracks all kinds of services. So it tracks internet, phone, long distance. Yeah, like if the Raptors lose, I
1: think they actually get complaints.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) the Raptors keep losing, so...
1: lots of complaints this weekend.
0: Um, But I think what's interesting to take away from this isn't that Bell or Rogers is super high. I mean... 1,900 complaints in six months is really not a big deal. Um, it's a big deal in the sense that there are 2,000 complaints, but 87% of them are resolved satisfactorily. 97% of them are are closed in the sense that that extra 10% weren't resolved to the satisfaction of both parties, but one of the parties, whether it was the carrier or the person, um, was uh, was. You know, deemed okay closing the file, so mm-hmm. they don't disclose why that is. But you know, 97 percent were concluded. That's good. Um, it's interesting that wind has increased as much as it has, largely because it's growing pretty quickly, and as a result, people are treating it in a similar way as they do uh, a lot of the other carriers. They're they're they have higher expectations, which is great. Yeah. Um, you know, now that wind has all this resource, all these resources, and all this infrastructure to Improve its service and expand its service. They really need to do a better job making sure that customers are happy. And I think people were giving them sort of a, an, an easy out because it was considered a new entrant for so long. Well,
1: well there's also an acceptable level of complaints that you get. Um, and I, I would expect that you know, as they kind of like roll out and and, and expand, there's still going to be those people kind of waking up to uh, some of the the poor service issues that wind customers can have in certain spots. But I, I think, you know, I, obviously they're within a, a respectable range over a six-month period of complaints. Uh, I think the other statistic that was interesting was that how much uh, Bell, or sorry, not Bell, uh, Rogers had dropped in the period um, following the last report so that, you know, that their commitment to customer service in their um, in their new strategic plan is kind of being actually... Um, push through and showing some results?
0: Well, as I've said many times, Rogers has taken the stance that it's okay to pay customers more for a better product. I think what a lot of people were frustrated with about Rogers in the past was that they were paying a ton of money for service that just wasn't very good. You know, you would get very basic, bare bones, internet, wireless, and cable, but the customer service was, was crap. And the value ads were crap. And I think now Rogers is understanding that, you know, if you're going to s- to charge people $100 a month for wireless and $150 a month for cable and another $100 for internet. Would be awesome uh, if it, it worked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It would be awesome that it worked. And generally, you know, Rogers has the fewest service complaints. Um, but it it also is now thinking, okay, well, we'll we'll throw in two years of Show Me. We'll throw in a year of NHL Game Center. We'll throw in you know, a bunch of vice content with, with Fido customers, right? Like their whole thing now is this value add strategy of, of, you know, building on top of what it, uh, of, of its core services. And, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, Telus has taken a different approach where they say, okay, well, we just do one thing really well. We just do service and customer service really well.
1: Yeah. And they, Um, they've all, and that's, that's, that's like a legacy thing with, with Telus. Right. So, and also it's, it's interesting, you know, um, as as the complaints are being resolved, uh, that is an indication of good customer support. But it's um, if support and care and attention towards customers moves further up the chain, it can actually limit the amount of complaints. Um, so I I think you know that's tell it's kind of reaping the benefits of of years of commitment to having just a good customer experience, not just customer support. Um, right. So, you know, as, as if Rogers can continue to do that, um, it also speaks to the fact that TELUS
0: probably has a better infrastructure in place to dealing with support as I, I'm sure you were, you were implying, but you know, they, they basically, they have a team around avoiding complaints to the CCTS. They want to yeah. make sure that they nip it in the butt as soon as, as soon as possible. Totally. And, um, you know, because, I mean, full disclosure. Telus was on us about posting about this this thing. They wanted to. They wanted people to know just how low on the list they are, and totally. they're very proud of this thing. Like they they are advertising the CCTS report for them is almost as important as um, a, a quarterly earnings report for for Rogers and Bell, right? Like Telus is is obviously a public company. They love earning profit, but they're their whole thing their whole value to shareholders ethic is around customer service and yeah. that's why they're increasing their customer base because they've done a good such a good job selling this idea that they're better at customer service
1: so totally. it's it's totally a key metric on their brand equity it it's it's a it's a it's a data point that shows that the and they're they're not just all uh cute animals but there's and like i think we've we've both probably um beyond like the numbers Qualitatively experienced, like good, um, Telus customer support. Like I've had like enjoyable times talking to people at Telus to support me for like a phone issue and things like this. Like like to to the point that I would go out of my way to try to recognize those individuals at Telus because they were they were obviously really looking to help me out. Um, and you know, then contrasting that to my my recent experience where I'm not going to mention which of the the big two providers i i was with but even just finding the contact information to to tell them that i was i was over it was like slightly more difficult than it needed to be like to even to even get in in touch with them to say that this was a problem
0: um, and I, it's it's interesting you know to to kind of look at the last few months of bell's relationship with with the crtc and with its customer base and it's really hard to see how Bell has improved in any in, in any sense, other than maybe improving its bottom line and maybe improving its uh, overall customer base. Like, they have stolen a few customers from Rogers, but they've been the enemy number one of pretty much everybody, right? Like, they they were accused of meddling in the in the news. Uh, Kevin Krull, the head of uh, the president of, of Bell Media, was accused of actually calling up CTV, telling them that they couldn't put um, the uh, commissioner's face on the TV during the the Let's Talk TV results. Um, they've they've clashed with the CRTC on a number of uh, of things, and, and it's their you know prerogative to do so. But um, you know instead of just taking this regulation and and saying okay we'll do better, they've been fighting the CRTC on everything. Um, you know they've been pretty much sullying their reputation in many respects uh, in the eyes of the consumer. And while you know they are Im- improving their uh, their revenue, I mean they they improved their revenue quite a bit uh, in the last quarter, and they're reporting on April thirtieth for their Q one. It just doesn't seem like Bell is. Doing a whole lot to say we're doing better in customer service, like they're yeah. saying we're doing better in in speeds and feeds, which is what Rogers is doing. But I think Rogers is the overall impression that is that Rogers is improving throughout its entire stack.
1: Yeah, well, to, just that, but so like not you know to to speak of in the same way that we were talking about Telus being focused on doing one thing and Win being obviously focused on one thing and kind of an upstart, um, and then Rogers trying to consolidate. It's it's operations. Um, it's it's difficult to call like there's not one Bell, so some of these things are, um, <laughs> you know, the the conflicting not necessarily the conflicting interests, but the the overall management of, of, of Bell as one customer touch point is a, you know. It's is a slightly different thing to to manage, but I I think you know their intention to focus on say like speeds and networks and things like that or. Their, their focus on the the TV side, some of the interesting things that they're doing there um, are all, all very interesting. But yeah, the if 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 this continues to be if if you continue to rank number one in something like this, then maybe there's it's there's a time to kind of reevaluate. But I also feel that you know in the way that Rogers has gotten a lot of flack or association of being difficult to deal with, like and TELUS has that brand equity being great. I don't think Bell really has that that common kind of like oh bell this is going to be a nightmare because it's bell like i don't think people think of bell that way so maybe that the you know maybe this report isn't as, as big a deal for bell as it is for someone like Tellus
0: yeah i i don't know i mean you're right in the sense that there is no one bell and and there's truly no one rogers as much as they um, try to play it off that there is or is becoming one just fewer um,
1: rogers they just want fewer rogers
0: yeah, and I think you know Bell is this monolith, right? They have they have all these different components to them. I mean, and especially since they have such a huge uh, media presence, as well as all these investments in in physical assets. I mean, they're fifty percent owners of of MLSE. Mm-hmm. They have uh, you know they have stakes in in media production from you know uh, all all the way from like uh, you know TMN through its uh, purchase of. Uh, the name is escaping me. Um, am I going to have to look this up on the internet? This is a Monday morning pod problem. Um, and they also, you know, they, they they run a lot of disparate divisions that don't always talk to one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where the perception lies. And And I think Bell's strengths, or Bell's largest strength, is the fact that they've been around really long, and they have all this infrastructure. They have all these mm-hmm. um you know, they just like Rogers own the copper and they have fiber, you know, in every major city. And as a result, you can't really get away from them. Yeah. You know, if you want a business line, you call Bell. If you want um you know, if you want fiber, you call Bell. If you want satellite, you call Bell.
1: Yeah. So hey, well, they're branded very much as a monolith, but like, you know, even when we when I did that interview, uh with the the bell t v uh v p when the when they were when we were at the the expansion of the open gym for the raptors t v show and what their their kind of approach to television, he was very clear that like you know there are certain things that we work on as bell t v that and then other things that we completely leave up to other divisions of bell and not not in terms of like oh we don 't pay attention to those guys but like um almost almost ethically because Bell has its hands in so many things. That there's there, there has to be uh, a separation of, of interests there so I don't know it's just it's, it's interesting to see how all the all the major players in the the Canadian space are kind of carving out separate identities which I, I think yeah, it, but, is good
0: which is good but uh, you know the the argument there that they have separate identities uh, that's not necessarily true because at the end of the day it all comes under the BCE umbrella and the BCE umbrella is one of the most vertically integrated companies in the world. I mean, Rogers and Bell are, I think, in the top five of the most vertically integrated companies. They mm-hmm. own, uh, they own the pipes, they own the services, they own the contracts, they own the content, and they own the distribution of all of that. And you know, Bell came under fire for exactly this, for not wanting to change it's uh billing practices for its mobile tv product not because it couldn't they ch- they said that it would cost 10 million million, but because they said that they were disadvantaged by a us company netflix uh doing what they do best which is disrupting the market and you know it's you know it's totally fair that netflix uh that bell would be upset that netflix hasn't paid into um the cancon um you know that that's sort of a bank account for what companies are expected to do when they when they uh, are um, when, when they have to abide by the Telecommunications Act. Uh, but the CRTC knows that, and they made they made changes recently. So now Bell can offer Crave TV to its television subscribers uh, exclusively, or they can offer Bell t- uh, Crave TV. To both internet and television subscribers, um, and have some exclusive content uh, on its television yeah. uh, service. So, like, there are some, there is some leeway that the government is giving them, and honestly, I think it's the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah, well, I would say, like, you know, as long as the government allows companies like Rogers and Bell to be vertically integrated, you can't begrudge them to be. As vertically integrated as possible. That's just that's just business strategy. I think, but operating within that framework, at least having, you know, uh, differenti- differentiation amongst approaches and, and priorities at least gives you a modicum of of choice uh, for consumers, right? Um, but yeah, right. So, uh, do we want it- to? Tie this all together to uh, uh, the Kudo news.
0: Yeah, okay, but first it was Astral Media the thing bought you go. <laughs> in June 2013. Awesome. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that as uh, early on Monday as this is, I can still use Google. Um, and the other thing was, uh, you know, the CRTC has done a lot to make sure that if customers want services like Crave or Show me uh they can get it, but the but bell has a, has a right to want exclusive um, or at least limited distribution of something or tie tying a service like Crave to its television largely because Canadians want their cake and they want to eat it too that doesn't work that when I say it that way but um you know the fact that Crave is four dollars a month is directly tied to the fact. That it is paired with a television subscription it's not going to be four dollars a month when customers can buy it with just an internet subscription
1: totally or when so, when you can you can buy it just not with anything perchance <laughs> um, well they
0: they won't do that I mean they just won't they it's not designed to be that um, but I just find it so interesting that a lot of our commenters read read these things and they go well bell should just be offering this for four dollars a month outright i mean they want to compete with netflix right they want to build up a customer base it's like okay great but look at the content on crave tv the content on crave is five times as good as it is on netflix canada i mean it's not even comparable
1: yeah and those negotiations can happen for a reason same with same with show me right like um i i think i think you're the best way to just describe that like like the tension between because because we talk a lot about like what the carrier should be doing but from the canadian customer perspective they just like cake right (laughs) right they just they just just want the icing all the time
0: yeah and you know i love i love hearing from from canadians um about this because it's it's interesting to see the non-bubble perspective right we are we live in this bubble and i appreciate that i don't i don't see everything um you know objectively because i hear from both sides and they they want you know the the companies want me i'm basically the conduit for these companies to try to filter their message and i get that i mean any media any media mm-hmm. business has that tension um but the problem is that on the one hand the a lot of the canadian consumers just they they re- they react viscerally to things they have one poor experience, and they will never forgive I mean my mom is is true like, that's true of my mom as well you know she had a bad relationship with Bell she had some long distance charge a few years ago and uh you know she, they they charged her for some call to the u s that she thought she'd paid for under her long distance plan, and she's never forgiven them I mean it's like well it's, it's like airlines those... right
1: like there are cer- there are certain brands that we have a personal relationship with that like get into our lives where if, if, if you have a bad experience, if that relationship goes south, it really goes south. <laughs> and like flying on an airplane or your your phone bill or your TV or your internet connection, like things that operate in your home, if they're broken, like if the plumbing the plumbing breaks, you're like, okay, I got to call a plumber. I can't need, need water. Got to do this. But if like the, if the pipe that provides um the cartoons and the sports breaks—it's like maddening <laughs> because people. The only reason you have a home is so you can sit in it and watch TV, right? <laughs> like, right. But you know, I, I think if you
0: pay a plumber every month, um, I mean, it's it's sort of the idea of insurance, right? Like yeah. you expect insurance to work when yeah. you when you need it to work. You totally. pay every month, and you do it so that it will work when you when you need it, right? Um, we pay Rogers and Bell and Telus. For service, but we expect it to work every day mm-hmm. you know it's It's one of those things where we rely on these services every day they but but when they stop working, then that whole idea of the insurance mindset comes in. you expect them oh well, you know we pay you something uh, we, we pay you a monthly fee. For something that we use all day, every day, but when it breaks, that's when we really need you to step up.
1: Yeah, and totally.
0: it's like this. It's like this double expectation, you know. Yeah.
1: It's a, it's a yeah. It's a, it's a totally a fine line to walk, um, and it's a, well. It's the type of thing where like if you're gonna be kind of a premium, a premium brand, then you're just that's just that's those are just the stakes of the game, right? And that's that's something that you know if if wind looks to expand and to grow and really own that kind of mindshare, they're going to they're gonna have a different customer base than just like the young student who's like, oh, sweet, I can get a phone and pay like 20 bucks a month and have that and just not think about it. Like, you know, they're going to have a, a wider customer base who might expect um, totally. superior service. So, I mean, that's a good transition to, to the kudo thing because,
0: um, well, that's going away. Think. We don't know <laughs> that yet. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Kudo is going through a br- rebrand, as yeah. is Fido and Rogers did already. Uh, so these are, you know, these flanker brands. Kudo's Telus' fr- flanker brand, one of them now that they own public as well. And Fido is Rogers' flanker brand, one of them, because they own Chatter. Did you see a trend. Um, so. What's what's going on with this? I mean, this is... Fido is, appears to be going through a huge refresh. Like, they're changing their logo. They're changing their entire plan lineup. They're changing their strategy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kudo is, is just going through sort of a light maturing. They're getting rid of El Tabador, or at least uh, we think they are. Died on his way to his home planet. Uh, he's... Uh, he's going away they're, they're, they're maturing they're changing their color schemes mm-hmm. they are generally doing what brands need to do to stay relevant which is uh, not look like they're well evolve know, they need old. to evolve yeah so what do you think i mean from what you've seen of this kudo overhaul is this something you know do you think that they'll actually benefit from this in the long run
1: uh you, well that's okay so there's intention and there's execution I say this all with the caveat of like I'm, you know, so far beyond the point where um, either from like a service perspective or like a demographic perspective, I was the target customer for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, that maturation that you talk to is important. And to tie it back to the previous conversation, you know, as all the the major high-level brands kind of sort themselves out and their relation to the Canadian customer – and the the proposition that they want to provide in twenty fifteen, the the opportunity and the value of these these kind of sub brands is to specifically target um, segments of the Canadian population that either wouldn't immediately be appealed to by the the umbrella brand, or that they might be able to completely own. And I think what Kudo had done previously. Um, At the very least, was like target a a pretty pretty young demographic, like just and a you know a very kind of like with a an irreverent style that uh, that might not I would say turn off most, but just obviously wasn't for them. So I think I think with the rebrand, however it plays out, it's they're maybe just looking to um, acquire more or or grab onto more. Um, So I think you know. It's. I think it's fine. I. I wouldn't have a problem with Kudo before. It wasn't necessarily for me, um, but I. I think if they're if they're looking to, kind of evolve that brand before it get before it gets stale, I think that's just smart. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What's interesting is that generally Kudo is, uh, within you know a margin of a few dollars, the cheapest flanker brand of the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, te- Fido, has also tackled this problem of how do we differentiate ourselves from Rogers, uh, you know, plan wise, they haven't really, I mean, none of the flanker brands have share plans.
1: Yeah. So we we talked, we talked about that with the, when the Fido stuff came out, when we had written about that, um, it was like, okay, so the brand's changing, but they also got rid of some of the things that made Fido Fido. Um, whereas, whereas with this, this seems to be more related to the actual, just the brand. Yeah.
0: Well I mean it, it it's not like for I posted on the weekend that um they're they're revamping their tab and they're oh, getting yeah. rid of the the hierarchy going with a, a maximum 3 of $360 subsidy so what they're doing is they're essentially de um they're uh they're disconnecting their the plan from the device value so what happens is when you walk into its into a kudos store and you want to buy a six hundred dollar iphone five c say it's six hundred dollars outright um, and you don't want to spend six hundred on it you can then choose to finance the phone up to three hundred and sixty dollars and pay the difference the amount that they gave you over the course of two years so that's fifteen dollars every month mm-hmm. so your plan you cho you choose a To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Three gigs of data, $50 plan, whatever it costs. If you want to buy the phone uh, without spending that full $600, if you want to take advantage of that full $360 installment, you pay $15 a month on top of your $50 plan for two years. Once that... Phone is paid for. Then it just drops off the end, and your phone, your plan decreases by fifteen dollars a month. Hmm. No other carriers in Canada do that right now. Because when you buy a phone, say you buy a an iPhone on Rogers or Telus, and after the two years are after the two years is over and you've paid off your phone, your your plan doesn't drop by twenty dollars a month. They have discounts for bring your own device. You will have to call them and explicitly change your plan over Mm -hmm. to a BYOD. So it is possible. But this just drops off at the end. You don't pay any more after two years. Um, And it's a very different mindset because it's untethering the price of the phone with the price of your plan. And it's exactly what other countries have been doing for years. It's what the UK has been doing for years. And it's about time that it takes hold in Canada because the only carrier doing it right now in Canada is Eastlink and you know they have like under a million customers
1: yeah so so to, to to tie it back then that's you know that's obviously something that could have that that's a policy plan thing that can have a, a appeal that's broader than the current branding is targeted to so just to 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 change to change that plan up and then adopt more of a was it choose happy choose choose that's the brand
0: uh that's the the slogan yeah Yeah.
1: so a little bit more generic but like generic towards um an experience so yeah i think it's kind of necessary right
0: well also i mean it it ties into telus's larger brand appeal which is if you're our customer you're going to be a happy customer so they're trying to get that same customer friendly idea going with kudo as they are with telus because telus You know, when you think of a Telus store, you think of lots of employees. You think of somebody standing at the door, going, "Hey, welcome. You want to, you know, you want to be my friend? Like, let's (laughs) get you a two hundred dollar a month plan." But with Kudo, like, it's just there's a kiosk in a mall, Mm -hmm. and I've, you know, I've talked to these guys. Like, they're these are the minimum wage. They're usually dealer owned booths. They're Mm -hmm. not very enthusiastic about their jobs. They're the customer service at Kudo is not considered. Um, you know, as robust as it is at Telus, mm-hmm. and I think that they're they're trying to get around that. They're trying to say, okay, well, we'll invest a little bit more in the brand, a little bit more in the physical retail presence, and we may charge a bit more. So get ready for that. But as a result, you'll probably be a higher value, but happier customer.
1: Are we gonna get El Salvador on the on the pod?
0: I'd love to. I'd love to get the voice actor
1: behind El Tavador because that guy. Oh, I'm sure there are so many NDAs preventing that from happening, but it yeah, would be pretty be amazing, pretty cool. Though. Just yeah. get him to do. Just get him to do like a, a little bit. Like you're listening to the Mobile Sword Podcast. <laughs> like, I, I
0: listen to. Um, this is a bit of a a, a sideways a segue a side glance. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I can't talk this morning. <laughs> Bader
1: Um, drinks a lot of coffee. (laughs) I do. I drink drink like six
0: glasses a day. Cups. Cups.
1: We're we're suffering for you, readers and listeners. Thank you.
0: Um, So I listened to Canada Land a few months ago. Mm. Uh, That's Jesse Brown's excellent podcast. And he had the guy who does Ed the Sock on the show. Um, Yes. And this guy sounds nothing like Ed the Sock, obviously. (laughs) Um, But the guy is just this like longtime voice actor who started out doing uh, just like nothing radio and eventually adopted this Ed the sock persona and carried it over to much. Yeah. And, um, you know, like just the the things that he was he could get away with as the sock uh, that no human could get away with, even though he was clearly like right underneath the interviewer or the interviewee was astounding and he would he, if you haven't listened to it uh, just google canada land ed the sock uh it was and, and those Fromage episodes if you haven't watched them go google uh youtube them they're amazing but um yeah listen to ed the sock uh canada land it's awesome anyway so yeah i uh <laughs> i think that um
1: that that wraps that up we should get if, if we can't get the El Salvador going on we gotta get ed the sock on
0: Steven kurzner that's his name he's uh he's he's really well known um, okay, so let's talk about um what do you want to talk about? we got voice over l t e
1: okay yeah we're keeping we're keeping this pretty uh pretty carrier heavy but this i think this is good because as we said right before, this is the voice over l t e is the the promise of the mid two thousands today
0: it's It's basically skype without opening an app
1: on your phone yeah it's like it's but like it's, a thing we literally could have had uh i was what like eight years ago now uh no definitely definitely seven definitely no, seven years no ago. no no so voice over lte okay hang on whoa
0: hold hold your horses okay voice over lte uh implies that you need obviously lte which only came to canada in earnest in 2012 so yeah, it's mid 2000s in the sense that Skype existed in the mid 2000s, but you know, so did cameras on phones, and mm-hmm. those exa- those weren't exactly high quality. So fair, um, fair. Let's let's talk about the benefits of Vo- VoLTE or Voice over LTE. So Rogers is the first carrier in Canada to launch it. It's only on one phone, so it's really not launched in the you know in the in the, in the true sense of the word. It's a pilot. <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely. But it's on, and it's on. It's not even like it's on a, you know, a, a popular phone. It's on the LG G3 Vigor, which I yeah. I have right here. Yeah, they they,
1: they strapped a helmet onto a German Shepherd and shot him into space. <laughs> this is not a launch. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. Name um, the dog. Basically, Likely, uh, don't gotta Google that. Okay, so I mean, just just to talk about the LG G3 Vigor, if you're watching the video pod, it's a very it's a smaller five inch version of the G3. Uh, it's really nice, actually. It's probably the right size for me. I I, I think that, you know, 5-inch phones are probably uh, better for most people, but this is just super underpowered, like Snapdragon 400, 1 gig of RAM, 8 gigs of internal storage, Uh, you know, pretty crappy camera. Like, the whole thing is, it's like a $300 phone, but uh, it's, it's being used by Rogers to pilot voice L- voiceover LTE, and the whole idea of voiceover LTE is that it's higher quality, so you're going to... Have Skype-like phone calls. It's going to be wideband, uh, wideband codecs, which sound a lot better. You can get a lot more information into that into that um, you know small data packet uh, because it's using LTE, so it has more, uh, it has a, a wider, more efficient, uh, essentially data path to use to transmit data. The other benefit is mm-hmm. that uh, you don't drop down to to 3G to make a phone call anymore. So right now when you make a call on Rogers Bell or any cu- any carrier that has LTE in Canada you will then drop from your LTE signal and it'll be handed off to a 3G signal and uh, as a result sometimes when you get off the phone it takes a while to get back to LTE and when you're on the phone uh and you want to do some you know uh, something else on your phone you're using this 3G pipe which is much slower so uh just inherently those two things the ability to stay on LTE while you're on the phone and have a much better phone call in terms of quality is is enough for most people. But VoLTE is actually a lot more efficient in the long run for the carrier, right? The carrier doesn't have to maintain mm-hmm. this this huge network of 3G signals. It, it doesn't have to deal with these these handoffs anymore. Um you know, dropped calling dropped calls are, are gonna decline because the handoff between LG, LTE and three G is is often um a little bit sketchy depending on where you are in the city or yep. or in you know in, in, in more rural areas it happens way more often when an LTE signal is on a different tower than a three G signal.
1: Oh, just just drive through Milton, man. You can you can pinpoint it to the overpass that you hit and then signals just drops. So the other benefit
0: of Voltee is that it supports video calls natively. So you no longer have to figure, you no longer have to open Skype or use FaceTime if you want to make a video call. You will just be able to press, when you go into the dialer on your phone, there's going to be two options. Like on FaceTime, there's going to be a voice call and a video call. And instead of being charged uh, by the megabyte, Excuse me, you're going to be charged by the minute, <laughs> and here's when we get into this whole net, net neutrality thing again. Um, will they allow? Will the CRTC allow the carriers to charge by the minute when it's using a lot of data? I don't know, but sure, let's let's figure that out. Uh, so there are a few stipulations. You need a smartphone with VoLTE compatible hardware. Most phones sold in the last year. Do support Volte. Anything with Cat 4 uh, LTE, like the iPhone 6, the Galaxy S5, they all inherently support Volte. They just needs to be an update from the carrier to support it. So um, that's probably going to be what is uh, what the stumbling block is for most older devices. Like the iPhone will be updated to support it because the carrier just needs to push a carrier update stack, and that's it. Yeah, but older devices like the gs5 the g3 like all these good android phones that can support it will need an update that will probably be bundled in a larger update that will take months if it ever comes at all so who knows then you need to be in an area where the tower supports VoLTE, so the tower needs to be have been upgraded to support it and you need to be using you need to be calling somebody else who matches those same criteria so they have to be on a phone that supports volt e they have to have received the software update and they have to be in an area that has a volt e enabled network a, a tower so for the foreseeable future nobody in canada is basically going to be able to use Volte. e like zero people currently can use volt e um but that's okay because we could probably
1: it's... call each other sorry maybe we can like mo, the mobile CERN's, mo, mobile Serp office could probably call itself if the conditions were right, but that's about well, it. Well,
0: we do we have two Vigor uh, L three G L G G three Vigors, so we're going to be trying that today. I hope we get the SIM cards. I thought it was a nano SIM, so I uh, didn't uh, ask for micro SIMs. But we'll
1: we'll we'll, we'll do oh, a demo
0: I'll... and we'll we'll record it and do a little write up. Um, but I I think once Bell and Telus roll out Volte, e, uh, it'll be it'll be quite exciting. You know, not only that, because right now it takes like five to 10 seconds to connect a, a 3G call. But Volta E is almost instant. It's like you press the dial button and the person on the other end hears the ring and they can pick it up. It takes like one and a half to two seconds. So there's going to be a lot less like sitting and waiting for people. And I'm not to, I'm not just talking about like the, the the ring. I'm actually just talking about like how long it takes for the other phone to hear the ping to, to enable everything. So, um, I like Volte. I think Volte is actually quite exciting and it's going to enable a lot. It's going to free up all that 3G airspace for things like, um, internet of things. So the, the, you know, Rogers and Bell and Telus can start selling all their 3G, um, you know, airspace. So this will take like, years so this isn't going to happen anytime soon but they they can start either refarming um they can start refarming their their 3g networks to lte to better support lte or they can start using the 3g networks that are going to be less utilized to um to do things like machine to machine uh internet of things and anything else that a 3g network can support so what what else should we talk about um I, I think, uh, you know, we haven't spoken since the Galaxy S6 review came out, but I kind of want to do like a separate podcast where we get a Q&A session happening.
1: Yeah, Maybe... we've been talking about doing that for a while. And I think because you've you just pounded through three pretty, you know, important device reviews in the uh, uh, 1M9, the S6, and then the mm. the Edge, right? So like, you know, we've been talking about expanding this to our 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 listenership to get them to, to ask questions. And I, I know the 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 comments kind of AMA you did went really well, but getting that on the pod I think would be really interesting. Yeah, um, and
0: i I've, i figured out how to do it. Uh, there's a QA module that you install on on the uh, hangouts and you can invite people. So um, I think what we're actually gonna do going forward is we're gonna you know, this is ambitious, but we're going to split the mobile the the Syrupcast pod into two. We're going to do a like a gener- generic sort of Canadian um Telco you know, what's going on this week news type thing, and then we're going to be focusing on just hardware. And I'm going to be hosting a, a sort of a and a every week, and I think that could go really well. Um because what we've heard is that people who listen to the Syrupcast want one or they they want one of those things they they want to hear about hardware or they want to hear about like the crtc and and like price updates and telco stuff and what's going on in the world but they don't necessarily want to hear both so i think we're going to experiment a little bit with the format over the next couple of weeks uh shortening the overall length of the pod and, and then getting getting more people to participate because i know that you know a lot of people have been champing at the bit to have their chance to ask questions uh live. And I, I actually hosted a Periscope um, of the <laughs> Galaxy S6 and S6 Edge the day that Periscope was released. But then I realized that it's only iOS so most Android users who would be really interested in participating wouldn't be able to. So that kind of failed. But uh, yeah, it's 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 coming on April 10th. So the Galaxy S6, S6 Edge, and HTC One M9 are coming out at the end of the week. And I, I think it would be a good idea to figure to, to get people to, to ask some questions on the pod
1: yeah i dig it and i, I do i not I think it'd be interesting kind of uh having because there are people that you're right they're really interested in the hardware and there are people that really really like uh crtc related kind of information so to, mm. and then there are people who love both and now we will be totally. giving you twice the pod for the same price
0: nothing for nothing zero <laughs> for just your affection your love your forgiveness basically forgiving us <laughs> for being well not us me for being as art inarticulate as uh as as i can be um it's amazing how much less articulate i am at 10 a.m on a monday morning than i am at 4 p.m on a thursday yeah. so it's incredible
1: it's uh, i and alcohol is in no way related to that
0: yeah, no, I didn't finish off a bottle of wine at 11 p.m. last night. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the iPhone 6 price increase before we go. So that's been one of the biggest topics that nobody's talking about. And I think this is super important, like way more important than anybody's giving it credit for, because on March 9th, when the... Uh, Apple Watch pricing was announced. Apple quietly increased the price of the iPhone outright in Canada from like $90 for the iPhone 6 to $150 for the 6 Plus on the high end, like the the 128 gig 6 Plus. But what it ended up doing was forcing the carriers to also increase their prices because if you know anything about how Apple does business, Apple doesn't give... A high margin to the carriers they sell the iPhones pretty much at cost um, and they don't allow the carriers to uh, to make much money from them so the carriers have a love-hate relationship with the iPhone because the iPhone customer generally spends more per month that's just the reality Uh, but they also don't make much money from the hardware sales itself whereas on Android they uh, you know lots of Android phones have much higher margins and they can then discount them over time. That's why you don't see iPhones dropping in price over the year. They they do a little bit. They go on sale during, like, Boxing Day area, um, sometimes during during Black Friday, but not not really. So what's happened is that every carrier that's, that carries the iPhone has now increased the price to match that of the outright pricing increase. So your iPhone 6... Now costs three hundred and forty-eight ninety-nine on a two-year contract because the same amount because the carriers have just adjusted it based on the amount of subsidy that they are willing to to, to give you. So um, there's a five hundred or four hundred and eighty dollars subsidy associated with the iPhone six, and they just said we can't eat that extra cost. We can't continue charging two hundred and sixty-five dollars. On a two-year contract for something that's costing us like eight hundred and fifty dollars, right?
1: Yeah, because the 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 other problem that you that is related to this is, and and we know, um, not only nationally but at a store to store level, <laughs> like the percentage of of store sales that are like iPhone sixes or like iPhone devices compared to other devices, it's like hugely significant. So like this this isn't. Um, like, if Sony was doing this with the Z3 Compact, it would not move the needle, but we're talking about just a huge percentage of the devices that the carriers move. It's,
0: it's um, I mean, I, I think a lot of mobile serve readers tend to be Android, you know, the mo- more vocal ones tend to be Android fans, and they, they discount the significance of the iPhone in the Canadian market, but it's, you cannot discount the significance of the iPhone it's something like 50% of total sales over the Q4 quarter were iPhones. 50% of the entire number of smartphones sold in Canada in the, in, in the, in the three quarters since the iPhone 6 got released between September and December, or October and December, uh, were iPhones. Yeah, and, and it's...
1: Well, it's just, just that point. It's like, I think people see it a lot as, a, as, as iPhone versus Android, when when one is a device and the other is a platform so like if there was a cabal of android manufacturers who all up the in the same way the prices of their like portfolio of devices this would have a similar impact but we're talking about like one handset maker you know two phones six SKUs, like 50 percent of your business um
0: yeah and i i think it's it's important to note that it's not apple versus android it's apple versus samsung yeah pretty much like in the in the canadian market we just posted some um i forget the it it was canalis or one of the other one of the companies that uh, gave us some data samsung uh has about 32 percent of the market share in canada apple has 38 percent uh and everybody else has like within the single digits so it's not even close yeah but um with the iPhone 6 now starting at $100 more than the Galaxy S6, you're going to have to wonder how the market is going to take that because, you know, a lot of people dismiss the Galaxy S5 as a very sort of mediocre update to the S4, which itself was a mediocre update to the S3. But the S6 is a tremendous accomplishment. It's a fantastic device in every way. And I think with, the iPhone increasing in price almost at the exact same time as the Galaxy S6 goes on sale, we have a much better value proposition uh, than than we've ever seen before because people who go into a store looking for an iPhone may hem and haw a little bit at the new price and end up going with the Galaxy S6. Mm -hmm. It's got more storage. It's got a better screen. But by and large, a lot of those annoyances, you know, when you picked up an, a Galaxy S5 and you picked up an iPhone 5s, you looked at the two and you went, "Man, like, the Galaxy S5 feels cheap." You never, you don't feel that anymore.
1: Well, so, I've actually picked up <laughs> when you were doing the S6 review. I picked up that phone. Uh, I don't know, like ten times, thinking it was my iPhone six. Like it's, you know, the well, it's it's there, right? Like the, um. The,
0: it's, the gap. It's, I mean, there's no mistaking it. Yeah. Like oh sorry, I mean there's no mistaking the fact that they look the same or very similar. It, there is mistaking the fact that they are very similar. So <laughs> um let me let me let me tell you a story. Uh my good buddy at Engadget, Chris Velasco, he was doing the demo, uh pre brief of the S six in New York before the embargo. And he was doing a video and he had his iPhone six on the table next to the galaxy s6 and the samsung rep who was actually doing the demo picked up his iphone 6 thinking (laughs) that it was his galaxy s6 wow because i mean i'm not saying that they look exactly the same but
1: but there is no way
0: (laughs) but there is no way that one could i mean to, to say that they are completely different looking products is is just a non-starter. Like Samsung the, the bigger question isn't whether they look the same, it's whether Samsung is just using objectively good design or whether they copied the iPhone, right? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people are praising the Galaxy S6 for having a great design. But is it that it has a it, like an, an an objectively great design? Like the where it started from nothing and and they just built it from the ground up as having a beautiful you know, design does it. You know, it's combination of metal and glass make it look great. Without the existence of the iPhone, could they have built this without the iPhone six? Probably not. But at the same time, they do deserve praise for building a beautiful product, whether or not it is based on, or at least derives a lot of its influence from the iPhone.
1: Yeah. Well, this is this is and the point of the podcast. Does that diminish where... it in any way? This is the point of podcast where thirty two percent of our listeners throw down their headphones and discuss. But but so to, to to draw it back because you know regardless of, I think it's it's enough to say at this point that the devices are close enough that if if your only consideration was price, you now have a major incentive to go another way. Um, the in terms of the extent of impact that'll have in the Canadian market, I do have to say that like you know the iPhone six has been out for a while. They've sold buckets of this device. So were this happening, you know, if the launches of the devices were closer, I think the impact would be significant. Um, The timing is weird that it would just come to happen at, um, around Samsung's major launch. But like, I guess, you know, Apple has, uh, larger considerations when it comes to, uh, the value of the Canadian dollar and, and things like that, um, but I, I just don't know how many people are buying an iPhone six right now versus the the initial kind of release sales. Like if if it's okay, if so it's ten percent of ten percent, you know, like Apple no, I, sells I, more I don't devices think that's than anybody. True.
0: And I, I think the re- here's the reason. The reason is that a lot of people are getting out of their. This is the double cohort, right? You have to remember, in the next few months, the, um, the, the people coming out of three-year contracts from 2012 are going to merge with people coming out of two-year contracts from 2013. Because before the Wireless Code of Conduct came into effect, all the carriers began offering two-year contracts in uh, around June of 2013. Yeah, that's fair. So there is going to be a confluence of people coming out of their contracts looking for new devices, and what they're going to see is a store shelf full of iPhones and Galaxies at three hundred, you know, two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars, and then there's going to be everything else, right? Which is going to be the hgc One M9, the LG G4. Uh, these are high end phones, obviously. And the Sony Xperia Z4. And then there's going to be all the mid-range devices that everybody can still buy and are still pretty good. But when you're looking at a, at a flagship, at two flagships, most people are going to look at the Galaxy and go, it's $100 cheaper. It's probably a pretty good device. It's, it looks beautiful. It feels really good. I'm just going to go with that. Or they're going to see the Galaxy S6 Edge... As having the same upfront price as the cheapest iPhone six, and they're going to go, wow, that's beautiful. That's got a you know dual curved screen, you know, it's got all these cool features, and it's got thirty two gigs of memory. And I think a lot of the salespeople at the stores are going to be like, yeah, 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 go for the Galaxy, go for the Galaxy. It's finally hit its peak. Go for the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I wouldn't count out the fact that carrier salespeople influence the, uh, the direction that a lot of people go in.
1: Totally. Totally. And I I think, you know, but okay, so then let's, let's look at this. So, you know, assuming that the Canadian dollar eventually rebounds, you know, in six months, we're looking at, you know, one country in a portfolio of countries around the world where there's a price difference creating, um, this, this peak buying time. If if ever you were going to go jump over to, to a Samsung device, it would be now. When, um, whatever percentage of Canadian smartphone owners are having, like, the double cord is having their contract end, um, you know, is that if, say, you know, 25% more people, or like, I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out, like, we, you know, projecting out what the impact would be of this. Would it just be, you know, Samsung has a really good quarter in Canada or, does it? It's not going to radically alter, I don't think, the the distribution of Android versus iOS in Canada. Um,
0: it might. I mean, look at the influence that the iPhone six had on the market share in the U S. You know, just single handedly, they they chain the iPhone put Apple ahead of 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 Android uh, in the U S. Single handedly, I mean, it moved the needle. It moved the needle in Japan. It moves the needle in South Korea. Okay. You know, it moves the handle, right? Like, moves the needle, sorry. The handle is is what I'm going to use after. Um, (laughs) The, uh, you know, it's really not, you can't underestimate the power of of the iPhone in completely reshaping a market. And I also don't think you can underestimate the power of Samsung in this particular product. You know, they have had a lot of success. And even the Galaxy S5 as you know mediocre as it was considered still sold like 20 million units yeah right it wasn't a failure by any means i think the galaxy s6 is going to sell double that i think it'll sell 40 50 million units it's a beast of a phone and coupled with the fact that there are two devices now right you have not i mean not not to mention the fact that samsung has a pretty decent lineup right now with the with the note 4 and the note edge yep right so those are still good products that you know, you can buy for not as. much. I mean, the the Note Edge is still it's four hundred dollars on a, on contract, but the Note Four is two hundred two ninety nine. So if you don't want the Edge, you go with the Note Four. You know, I mean, they have a pretty strong
1: lineup, is what I'm saying.
0: So,
1: yeah, I just I guess it's it's like I I think you're completely right. I think it's a, it's a very when it comes to the Canadian market, it's a very interesting thing. I think the way that the carriers responded to doing this obviously demonstrated how how. <laughs> How very much they did not want to have to do this, um, yeah. But totally. I, I just, I guess, I, you know, it, we'll just have to wait. Um, we'll just have to wait another quarter to see what the the impact is, and then uh, it'd be interesting if 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 Samsung really hand, you know, uh, eats Apple's lunch in Canada. Is that enough for Cupertino to to sit up and maybe adjust the pricing? at a national level again and, and take less of a, um, of a margin on their devices just to maintain uh, the market share? No.
0: <laughs> I think the plain answer is Apple has enough confidence in its business model in the sense that the value of the iPhone is buried by the, by the, the, the contract price you know, the iPhone is a $1,000 product and Apple has has had no problem selling millions of these $1,000 products for years. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that with the exchange rate, it disadvantages Canadians who want to buy the phone outright. But when you think about it, you know, $350 is a lot of money, absolutely. But when it comes to the value of a phone, it's not. And I think people have to realize that they're still getting a deal when you buy any phone on contract. Right? It's just the it's just that mental block of paying as much on contract for a phone as you can pay for a phone outright. Well, it's more
1: than a mental block. It's like a huge upfront cost. But no, I understand what you're saying. I guess, I just guess like, you know, it's it's going to be interesting for us to follow and track. But, you know, in your final summation, like if this means that Apple ends up sending selling ten million less phones in twenty fifteen, or not even not even that. Like there's only thirty million, million people in Canada. Like what five million less phones? Like if, if like Samsung just like totally dominated Canada. Like is is Apple even going to notice when they round up their stacks of cash?
0: No, because Canada doesn't does has barely any pull in the market overall. I mean, five million is is. Not even close to the yeah. number of phones that Apple's going to sell. Like uh, Apple, I don't know the entire. I don't know the number, but I mean, we have uh, estimated 27 million smartphone users in Canada. I would think that the turnover is, you know, maybe a couple million
1: a year. If yeah, that. okay. Um, so we're looking and- at a rounding error for Apple. I would I would say the the more interesting thing was if if this were to continue, like if the Canadian dollar would stay at, as such for uh, a few years the long term effects that that could have on you know the the canadian tech sector like you know there there was a time when all the the first initial kind of like ideas being developed in canada were being built on blackberry because that's what everyone owned and then mm-hmm. it went to iphone and then like we we could see like this whole surge of you know android app development coming from canada's tech sector if if they know if they're trying to validate products and they know that say like 70% of the market now has Android phones and 50% of them are Samsung because of, uh, you know, can't, uh, Apple not prioritizing the Canadian market.
0: That, that, I think, would be the case if Android made money for developers. But that's a whole other argument, <laughs> right? Because, you know, yep. regardless, as, as it's been shown worldwide, market share does not equal profit. And Android developers still make one quarter of the amount of money as an iOS developer. Yeah. Generally, I mean, sometimes it's a half, sometimes it's equal, depending on the on the game or the or the service. But, you know, we've heard time and time again that paid apps don't do as well on the on the uh, on the uh, Play Store. That uh, in app purchases are lower on the Play Store, and conversions of services like Evernote or Dropbox are are lower on the Play Store. So, you know, market share is one thing, and I think. Apple will probably lose some market share in Canada just because the Galaxy S6 is so good, not because the iPhone got a price increase. But I don't think that'll affect how many developers start... I mean, if, if a developer is going to you know go ahead with an Android app, they would have gone ahead with it this year, right? It's not going to yeah. make a big difference in 2015, 2016 with the weak Canadian dollar making it easier to buy an Android phone. Yeah. I think the fact that the Android ecosystem is stronger this year anyway is going to make that happen, right?
1: Yeah, so the long and short of it is that right now is the worst time to buy an iPhone in Canada. Totally. It's terrible. I mean, it's not terrible. Like,
0: the iPhones are still... um, I don't... I mean, it's it's hard. Like, I'm trying to figure out... Like, I want to actually ask people, do you think a $100 price increase is going to affect your... You know, if you were going to spend $250, are people going to spend $350 on an iPhone? Like... It's a hundred dollars. It's thirty percent of the value of the phone that you were going to buy anyway. Yeah. So,
1: or more broadly, how expensive can Apple make the iPhone before people stop paying for it?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really great economics question that I I would love to get an economist in here going. Well, actually, we have statistics to back that up. So uh, I'll try and get somebody to Let's do uh, it. Yeah, to answer that question for us. Um I think I think we're going to I think we're going to stop there because we're we're at about a, an hour and 15 and uh we got places to be and people to be and coffee um and coffee to be and handles to be. So um Douglas it's good to talk to you
1: again. Yeah, it's good good to pod. I miss you. It's, it's like uh, you it's too. like in lost where if you don't type in the numbers every 24 hours, the island can blow up. I felt that way about I us think podcasting. So
0: agreed i think we were getting further and further away from this being a weekly thing and it kind of kind of scared me a little the idea of losing you so <laughs> you feel like um home. <laughs> uh thank you everybody for listening thanks for dealing with my incoherent rambles and stutters and monday morningness uh thank you uh to douglas for joining me and uh for uh, future economists, for if you're listening and you're an economist, get in touch, daniel at mobilesyrup.com. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, that's it for the show this week. Join us. I think we're going to try and do a Thursday pod this week, so we'll have Let's two pods. Twice on. the pod. We have tons of stuff to talk about, so stay tuned for uh, lots more from the Syrup Cast and uh, hope you have a great week.
1: I think we could do a beta in the D-Man.